Welcome, and thanks for joining me today on Mortgage Manager Playbook, a podcast for sales leaders who want to improve their team's sales performance and originate more loans. I'm Pat Sherlock, your host. Today's topic is a fabulous topic. It is getting the green light for sales investment. This is a perfect topic for our times today, and our expert is Nicole Poole. Nicole is Vice President of Residential Lending at the Police Credit Union. Prior to that, with a long history in the credit union space, she was with Patelco and Redwood Credit Union. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Pat. Thank you for having me here today. Well, I'm so glad you're talking about this topic because it's not talked about, I think, enough. But before we jump into that, talk to our listeners about how you got into the world of mortgage lending. It was kind of a fluke. I was actually doing recruiting in the dot-com era in uh, Sonoma County, and that was a bomb that went off. (laughs) So after facing a layoff, I had established really strong relationships with human resource people across the county and, and got to know their inside style and culture through my temp workers. And Redwood Credit Union was one that that I reached out to uh, the HR person who I'd known there, and they hired me in the next day to help out in the mortgage lending department. And after about six months, I was like, I don't know if this is for me. And then I got promoted to a loan officer and I loved it. I loved every second of being a loan officer. And I started to become really passionate about credit unions and advocating for loan growth to, you know, to, to keep and sustain the credit unions. Well, I know just from speaking with you that you are passionate about credit unions and rightfully so, they do a wonderful job. But talk about your challenges in your current position. I know that you've just joined, you've been at the police credit union for a little bit, but talk about those challenges. Yeah, I think the major challenge here is stepping into a smaller seg-based credit union where we're a police or law enforcement based credit union. So for the last 70 years, they've operated as, you know, only law enforcement. And so I'm coming in from these large eight, 10 plus billion dollar community credit unions. And, you know, I was, you know, I'm like a bull in a China shop. I see all these things and I want to get these things done. And I had to really slow down, build relationships with people in an, in a completely remote environment. We have a remote work policy here. So we're all remote pretty much. You know, I had to learn some new programs and processes uh, and really redevelop and realign the department, hire some new people, you know, and, and but also being instantly thrown into quite a few projects that and initiatives that had been started by my my current boss. So that was that was the biggest challenge. I think the last 18 months have been, you know, rebuilding the team and the department from a smaller shop to a, you know, to now we want Fanny and Freddie and, you know, operating as a large, you know, what we want to be as a large mortgage department. Um, and then in the middle of that, you know, obviously we saw rates change the current market and um, that, you know, because we were primarily or predominantly portfolio lender, you know, that that's our liquidity, our assets and our shares move and that affects our ability to lend. Right. So, you know, it's been okay because we've been going through a lot of this project and rebuild and realignment, but I'm a salesperson. I'm a loan officer, you know, my heart, I want to go out and get loans. And and that's been challenging to, uh, to have that, you know, go, well, maybe we don't do, you know, right now our consumer lending department is, is lending out more than we are. So. Well, that's true at many places. So that's not unusual under the current market conditions. Uh, Share with our listeners about trends that you see for the rest of the year. And then I'm going to ask the big question about what what do you think 
going forward in the next three to five years, what is that going to look like? Right. I think from a credit, you know, my, my only perspective in the financial uh, industry is, is credit union. And, and for me, it's really, you know, we have to remain relevant and consistent in, in this space to build business. You know, it's not really any, we're not really looking at top of wallet anymore or, you know, products per household. It's really building their trust as a financial advisor and offering solutions, you know, and and making sure your team knows that. So it's like, I have to remind the team that we're not just doing a loan. We're not just doing their loan. We need to look at this from a broader perspective and how we can help them, you know, with their, their financial life. And then also really making sure we're educating the member. That's in our charter, right? We have to do that. And so I'm actually planning on doing a webinar this month about today's rate environment. You know, if we look at the last 40 years, the average interest rate has been what it is today. It's right. just not, you know, we, so we have to keep talking about that. We're, it's not going to go back to the way that it was. We're not going to be holding out for 3% interest rates anymore. So those trends, a lot of education, not only with your membership, but with, you know, with our, our team, our core staff and, and getting them to understand this is a different market. We've got to pivot and change and try new things and move. And, and it's not the way that it was. Well, that's for sure. And it sounds like you're doing a lot of smart things to really bring everyone on board. And I like the idea that you're also doing that with your employees, because I don't know your, I don't know that enough companies are doing that. So if you look down the road and you've been in mortgage banking for a long time, what do you see as a trend three to five years down the road? So trending down the road, gosh, you know, it, we're, we're constantly looking at three to five years, but it's hard not to get caught up in the day to day. So I'm looking at, you know, what's happening today. You'll see, I mean, I have friends and colleagues and people that have worked for me that have been laid off, you know, in credit union space where typically you don't see layoffs. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to become leaner and we're going to have to use those people that might have been specialists as more of a generalist, right? You have to be very resourceful with your people and make sure that they're not just in one role or in one lane and then keeping them engaged and retaining them. When work slows down as loan officers, we tend to drift, right? At least for me, if it slows down, I'm like, I'm going to watch Pat's you know, podcast today, <laughs> you know? And so we really have to keep them engaged, especially because they're all remote, you know, and how do you do that in a slower paced environment when you've got high driving performers? And continuing to follow up and build referrals. We haven't had to do that for the last seven or eight years. So the great loan officers and realtors are still going to be out there because that's what they focused on. They've always followed up on referrals. They've always done the thing, those business and sales habits that that drive their success. So we have to, you know, we have to start doing that. I think it's inevitable that we'll see refinances again, regardless of rate. You know, you're going to have life events. You're going to have, you know, people buying homes, cashing out for home improvement. It's not thinking this is the end of it, but how do we focus on the next three to five years to make sure we're, we're ready when that business starts to pick up? Well, they're all great points. And I certainly think you're exactly right. It's going to be much different. And certainly that requires management and leadership to obviously recognize that refis won't exactly bail you out, which leads to our question, our topic for today. And I think it's such a great one. It's getting the green light for sales investment. It's always difficult in a much more let's say, challenging market that we're currently in to get sales investments. So talk about your thoughts on that. Again, in the credit union space, sell is 
sometimes a four letter word, right? So it, <laughs> <laughs> we have to think about it as providing member solutions and, and finding ways that we can help our members. And it's not often you see sales culture embedded into a credit union or even in your strategic plan or your strategic initiatives. That's kind of the first thing, the main thing. Is it a part of your culture? Is it part of the initiatives? That makes it a lot easier to, to mm -hmm. get those green lights. Fortunately, we have, we've, we've, the, the police credit union has moved into, you know what, we have to be a sales culture. We have to provide solutions for our members. We have to be there for them in all of their financial needs. And so for, for someone like me, who I may not have the authorization to, you know, make this stuff happen, but I'm going to have to go to my boss and start planting the seed about what is it that we need? We've actually just implemented a new loan origination system, which as we know is very expensive. So we got the green light on that. And that, you know, with that becomes opportunities for other, you know, investments like a CRM, right? We've got this beautiful new LOS and we're still getting referrals through email and phone. So I have to kind of show the member pain hey, these members may not get a call back right away because we don't have the ability to track these leads very well. What about a CRM? And you start planting the seed. You know, I've talked to my boss about it. He's like, yeah, you know, I think we should look into that. And so that that kind of opens the door for me to start writing up a business plan. I, you know, I always start writing down just everything that comes to mind, pros, cons, what, what would the plan look like? How would I present this? Because it's not gonna, normally it won't be my boss who's, even though he's a chief lending officer, he's not going to be the one to approve it. It's usually going to have to go through finance. It's going to have to go through ALCO committee. It's going to have to go to the board. So you really want to set, you know, set that up, that request up or that, you know, that investment up for success before you even start. Um, and I also tell people, how about small wins? Let's just implement something small that maybe doesn't need executive approval like going to a branch and training on how to answer questions about mortgage lending and then showing the success on that. So you at least have some clout to go back and say, hey, we did this and it worked and we're seeing more applications. Now I want to start something different. So starting small, building on successes um, and then also, you know, setting expectations. You turn on a new, you know, tool or you make this investment and they, you know, they may say, well, OK, where's my ROI? What am I going to get from this? And you're not, I mean, that doesn't always the case with mortgage. I always say, you know, you got to put loans in the funnel. You can't just turn the spigot on and the loans come pouring out in your lap. You have to really work on this for months to start seeing the results. So it's not going to be an immediate return. And then one thing I think is important, I probably the most important, we just implemented, the, the police union just implemented, it's called TMA or the member advantage through integrity solutions. So it's really great. You know, we call it sales sales um, um, investment, but we've you know I was one of the first managers to go through all the training, and I I absolutely adore this program, and we're we're gonna train all of our frontline staff before the end of the year. When we are making those investments, they're such large dollars and such a lot of time. We can't implement it and then not have our end users know how to do it or be comfortable with it. And it comes down to me as a coach and a leader to make sure I continuously coach and drive to this, right? And and follow up and have metrics and measurements around it so that I'm not just saying, okay, we've rolled this out, now go use it. That would be an immediate failure. So it requires us to get behind that and really make sure our team understands it, that it's embedded in the culture, 
and and that we can show that it's you know successful. So Nicole, when you're talking about just to go back a, a few bits, you did make the the point about showing the members pain, which I think is always a great point to start with. So how do you do that? Do you do surveys or is this just feedback that is gathered from what maybe your branch people are saying, or or how do you go back to show that, yes, there is this need besides me just thinking that there's the need? Right. <laughs> and, you know, it's really the member experience. If you can, I, you know, one of my old COOs at Redwood used to always say, look at it through the member lens. And and that really impacted me because I, anytime I needed a financial transaction, I would look at it from the member standpoint. And mm -hmm. I do the same thing now with employees who want employee loans. I'm like, I want you to go in and put an application through a site and tell me how it felt. And again, and again, in 20 years that I've been doing this, it's we do surveys, we use NPS and MES, the member effort score seems to be a more popular survey mm -hmm. now. But it's also, if, if this is difficult for me to get through, then it's going to be difficult for the member. So for example, you know, with this CRM, I'm watching all these referrals come in through five or six different sources. Now, my boss doesn't necessarily know that, but I can see it. So I have to illustrate that to them and go, look, we've had a couple of these referrals that have gone unanswered because they're coming in at us through all these different channels. We just keep tra can't keep track. And I do not want the member to have to wait 24 hours for me to call them back. That's unacceptable. We should, you know, we should be calling them back within two hours. So when you start talking about it from the member's perspective, perspective, ears start to perk up, right? They're like, oh, oh yeah, we don't, you know. So that's what I mean about making them feel the member pain. If you can, if you can really empath, you know, make them empathize with what that member is going through. So do you also use under that same description, do you also use, let's say, data that applies to the whole credit union industry and then where your particular credit union fits against that for customer satisfaction? I mean, are those types of data points that you use? Yeah, it, it, exactly. So as we survey each member when they do a transaction, the questions are based on the net promoter, right? How likely would you be to recommend or refer a family or friend to our credit union? And it's a one through 10, right? You've got your, your detractors and then your promoters. Mm -hmm. We obviously want eight, nines, and tens. And so that that NPS score, which is about a 75 to 80% in the credit union space, we I think credit unions are generally score a lot higher for those because of our service focus than mm -hmm. a bank. And then the MES, which is a little bit more popular now, it's the member effort score. How how difficult or easy was it to do this transaction with us? We want to, again, pain, right? We want to know where the pain sure. points are. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, we do, because we're a billion dollar institution, we are, you know, we do have a peer group that we can look at that data. Right now, again, we're really building that. This Our credit union is a little bit in, in more of a, a transitional sense where, you know, we're, we hit that billion dollars and we're like, okay, now we really have to focus on a lot of these KPIs, right? Our efficiency ratios, our MPS and NPS and MES scores and loan growth. So, it's it's taking something that we we did have in our foundation and really ramping it up. Okay, now how can we really use this data to what I say get those barriers out of the way for the members, make it easy, make it easy as possible. So when you're presenting these, in other words, in your case, you're really having to rebuild 
And so you're taking, I mean, a lot of the, like an LOS system, all of those things are obviously, as already you said, big ticket items. And so what's the sequence? I mean, you do a survey first, see what the member pain is, then you go to your boss, and then your boss has to take the story to the board or whatever is the sequence that they go through. And that, how does that work for you from the standpoint of like a timing? Or was it a case where they already knew that we needed a new system? Yeah, I believe, you know, we were sort of forced into placing our existing LOS because the one we were using was going to be sunsetted, right? They were, they were taking that one off the shelf. And so we knew we had to look into a new, you know, provider or vendor. We just didn't know what it was. And so when my boss came on board um, about three years ago, he was really key in getting those, you know, that getting these solutions, you know, teed to up, I guess. Align right. with, yeah, to align with the initiatives, right? Like they knew they wanted loan growth. That was in their, you know, that was in their strategic plan. And that's it. You know, it's basically like, that's it. We we need loan growth. And so that's where Chris and I come in and go, okay, based on our experience with credit unions and doing this mm-hmm. in the past, we need to find the right tools. And because we've done that successfully and we've implemented successfully a new LOS, I mean, I did talk about earlier, you know, small wins. I mean, this was a big win. So now we've got this big win and we're like, well, now we need a CRM. That wasn't budgeted, but I know budgets, budget conversations are happening now. You know, that, that pain of the member experience, not getting a call back from us is, you know, relevant. And I'm going to start, you know, now I'm going to start that process of planting the seed, creating the business plan explaining how this affects our member experience, how it affects, you know, affects our KPIs, you know, maybe some alternatives. So it's, it's a long process, Pat. It's not something that you can do overnight, especially. That was my my next question from a timing (laughs) standpoint, from start to beginning, let's say with the LOS and they knew they needed one, what was the timeframe to get that approval? Um, It probably took about a year. Okay. And And then we worked with the consultant to help us kind of RFP between three that took us a year and then we implemented, which actually took us only four months to implement from the day we signed the contract to the day we turned it on. That's actually, that's very short. That's actually terrific. So we only have a few, you know, and that, and that I think is part of that sales investment as well as we had to, you know, we had to say, look, there's only about two core people that can work on this project. We need help. So we hired a consultant to help us do some of the heavy lifting with the configuration. Right. Well, that's don't smart. Don't try to take it all on yourself. Don't try yeah. to take it. You know. Yeah, it's a it's a lot, and I think that's smart with what you did. Well, I certainly, I mean, we've covered a lot, but if you had to give our listeners a couple takeaways about getting the green light, what would be some of the suggestions that you would make? Be organized about it. You know, years ago, I used to walk into my chief lending officer's, you know, office and go, "We need to do FHA loans." He's like, "Where's your data? Why? Why would we do this? What?" You know, is this something our members want? And, you know, I was pretty green back then. And now I, I do the same thing to myself. I ask myself, what is it that we want? Why do we want it? Is it going to, you know, is it going to help our members or benefit them? For example, you know, I want to I want to implement a new loan program that I think would be, you know, a perfect fit for the Bay Area. And so it's, again, just you got to build out the story as to why you think it would benefit your member and that it's going to have some... ROI to your credit union. Otherwise, it's it's going to take 
too much time and, and it, we don't have that kind of time. We, we have to be really resourceful. I don't have a team of people behind me as product managers that can launch something. So I also need to be careful about my time and what I spend it on. So be very specific about what you want and do your research and you know start planning that seed and having discussions with your manager or the person who makes decisions, or if it's you, you know, have those questions with your team. What do you think it would look like if we implemented this product or program or solution? Because they're the ones that are gonna have to sell it on the front end, right? So they need to buy into it as well. Well, you've made a lot of great points and I certainly have to have you come back and talk about the resource issues when you decided to outsource and you hired third parties because I think that's a topic that's not often discussed. So I'll have to have you come back for sure. And I wanna thank you for sharing your thoughts and certainly I want to thank our listeners uh, for listening to Mortgage Manager Playbook. And certainly you can see other episodes on the Mortgage Manager Playbook website. Thanks so much, Nicole. Thank you, Pat. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Manager Playbook. You can catch up on all our episodes by subscribing to receive each week a new show. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and team members. If you're looking to increase production, call me to discuss my prospecting sales training program, Ramping Up Realtor Referral Sources. Check out my website, www.patsherlock.com.